Well, good morning, church. We are back in our study at First John. So I wanna go ahead and invite you to take your Bibles or your device and go ahead and turn to First John chapter two. And we're gonna begin in verse seven and we're gonna read through verse 11. You know, it's, we know, and I hope you know that every part of the Bible is relevant for the Christian life. That's pretty much what 2 Timothy 3.16 is teaching us, that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, and for training and righteousness. Uh, But there are times when verses seem to pop on the horizon um, because of something we're going through. There are times when other verses or passages or texts um, seem to seem especially sweet, um, seem especially fresh, comforting or convicting because of something that we're going through or have experienced. And I really think these words from John, of St. John today, are especially potent because of what we are all going through. And he's gonna teach us today how, how and why it's wrong and unacceptable for Christians to ever hate each other and to ever despise one another. And it's these words from John that we must perpetually revisit and retrieve and revive an an old command and a new command to love one another. So 1 John chapter two, verse seven, let's see what the apostle John writes. He says, dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have heard from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is God's word. We probably all grew up being told not to use the word hate. And maybe kids, maybe as you were watching and you heard, maybe you looked at your parents, he said hate. You know, when when kids would say hate, uh, they something like, I hate that vegetable. I hate that game. I hate this show. What would typically happen is a parent or a grandparent would step in and say, we don't say hate. That's a nasty word. Say, I don't like this. I don't like this game. I don't like this show. I don't like this vegetable. That's, that's fine enough in some situations, but, but not, not here. John uses the word hate because it's a real problem. And his, and his counsel to us isn't, dear Christian, don't use the word hate. That's a naughty, that's a nasty word. Say, you don't like that other Christian. No, he's telling us, dear friends, you can't hate a fellow Christian. What, this is a heart condition. Just using a different word doesn't make it okay. 
This is a heart condition in us. What good is it to stop using the word if we still have hate in our hearts? Hate in our actions, hate in our emotions. And even, think about it, there are proper things to hate. To hate evil, to hate sin, to hate the effects of sin. God himself, he hates things. He tells us in Proverbs chapter six, the Lord, what? The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Remember this connection between hate and detest, okay? Just remember that, store it away. Look at the things the Lord hates. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. This is what John is talking about today. Trouble being stirred up among Christians. But it's clear, even for the Lord, there are things that he hates. There is a place for hate. And what John's telling us today is that that place for hate is not toward other Christians. Now, the fact that John is talking about not hating other Christians, that doesn't mean that John doesn't care about how we treat non-Christians. I know that's the impulse sometimes when we read the scriptures. Oh, John's talking about not hating Christians, so he must not care about hating non-Christians. No, 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 no. Don't hear what John's not saying. That's a rule for reading the scriptures and for reading social media too. Don't hear what John's not saying. Obviously, we know we're to love all, to love our enemies, Jesus teaches, to love our neighbors, Jesus teaches us. But here, John must be addressing a problem in the churches that he's writing to. Maybe it's the attitude of the false teachers as the people aren't joining them that they're hating these people that aren't joining them. And so John is telling them, hey, do you see how they're hating you? That's not the heart of a Christian. Or maybe it's how the Christians are responding to each other or, or how they're starting to view John. Whatever it is, there is something, a temptation among these Christians to have a hatred toward one, toward one another. And in this perennial temptation, for Christian schism, John steps in and here's how John begins. Look at what he says. He says, dear friends, your, your Bible might say beloved. This is a great reminder of who we are in Christ and, and who we are to be to, to one another. You know, sometimes when I text people or when I, when I email people, I, I, I try to talk this way. And just this past week, even though it doesn't just happen this past week, it happens frequently. Uh, Kitty White a precious saint in our church. She'll text me, she'll text a group of pastors, she'll text us and the staff, and I'm sure she's probably texted you, messaged you, emailed you, written you a handwritten card. Kitty White is a constant encouragement to people and she'll, she'll text um, something so helpful and kind and loving and her, her prayers for us. And I just write back and say, thank you, dear sister. And I mean it because she is a dear sister in the Lord. And that's how John views these Christians as dear friends. He's teaching them, here's how I see you. And here's how I want you to see me. Here's how I want you to see each other. And John, by the power of the spirit, he's showing us how pastors should see their church. 
how church members should see their church, how we should see each other, that we are beloved, that we are dear friends in the Lord, dear brothers and sisters. And do you know how you really feel it? I mean, it's one thing to know, but then to feel it, how you feel the dear, the dear friendliness. Christians become dear to one another when, when we love one another, when we exhort one another, when we encourage one another, when we serve one another as dear friends. And look at what John says. Dear friends, I'm not, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have heard from the beginning. So he tells them, hey, to address the situation, I, I'm not telling you guys anything new. This is old, you've heard it. But he wants to retrieve it. He wants to revive it, he wants to dust it off, and he wants to put it on display for them again. And, and really, I love that he says, I'm not gonna tell you anything new right now, really. Because sometimes there's a temptation in the Christian life that we gotta learn new stuff. What new thing am I going to learn this week? What new thing am I gonna get from the scriptures? What new thing am I gonna get in this next Bible study? Really what John's saying is, I'm not gonna tell you so much about a new thing, but I want you to live this thing. I want you to live out what I'm gonna tell you. And we know, if we already read the passage, we know he's gonna talk about love. And it's an old command. Remember what the Lord Jesus said? It's a summary of the entire Old Testament to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves on those two things hang the law and the prophets. A way of saying the entire Old Testament. They all hang on loving God and loving one another. So when John says, hey, this is old. I mean, it, Old Testament old. That's, that's how old we're getting. But in a way, he is telling them something new. Look how verse, how verse eight starts. Yet, I am writing to you a new command, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So what's John saying? I'm not writing an old one, but I am writing you, I am writing an old one and I am writing a new one too. It does sound a little confusing, but John is echoing Jesus. So what John is saying is, I am telling you an old command that has a new significance, that has a new hope in it, that has a new twist, that has a, a new power that's plugged into it now. And this is exactly what Jesus says. John is just echoing Jesus in the gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. Look at what Jesus says. I give you a new command. Love one another. Well, that's... He already said that's the summary of Old Testament moral commands towards one another. But now Jesus adds that new twist, that new spin, that new significance, that new power to it, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. This, this is the newness. This is the new part. Love one another is in the Old Testament. The new model now, the, the new software update to this command is Jesus saying, just as I have loved you. That's how you're to love one another. And now it takes on a whole new flavor, a, another dimension. And that's what John is building off of when, he, when John says now in verse eight, I'm writing to you a new command and look, about, look what's true about this new command. Which is, which is true in him and in you. 
This new command's built off of that old command. As Jesus has loved us, so we're gonna love one another, but now look, which is true in him. His, how does Jesus love us? His kindness, his patience, his attention, his truth speaking, his mercy, and most of all, his sacrifice. His, his death on the cross for our sins. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. The one would lay down his life for his friends. And it is rising again from the dead for, for our eternal life. Jesus says, as, as I have loved you, love one another. And so Christian, does Jesus love you? Yes. It's true in him. This isn't fairy tale. This isn't just uh, Bible facts. This is true in him that he has loved us. So now what? It's also true in you. It's true in him. Now true in you. So if you are loved by Jesus, you know it, you feel it, you receive it, you believe it, John is telling us that love that we, that we sing about, that we remember, that we, that we praise, that love from him is now also at work in you. And so now you can love. It's, it's true. It's true. You can love your fellow believers now because of what's true in him as he loved you. So now it's true in you and you can love others too. So therefore, since, since this is our Christian reality, the next part from John, he's saying it, it's, it's unthinkable. Verse nine, the one who says he's in the light, which all throughout the gospel of John, someone who says he is in the light, this is someone who says, I'm a Christian. I'm walking with Jesus, who is the light of the world, as he says in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks with me will not walk in darkness. So John says, whoever says they're a Christian, but hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness until now. John says, if what you know about Jesus and his love is it's true in him and true in you, there's no way you could be perpetually hating another Christian. It's unthinkable. It, it is uninhabitable for a believer of Christ. You, you can't dream of doing it. And so maybe, maybe you read this and you see the word hate and you think, yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm fine. This, this verse is, is not talking to me. I don't hate any of my fellow Christians. Well, remember what I said in the beginning? Would we just say, oh, don't use the word hate. Just say, I dislike. It's okay. To, no, no. Because the reason, so you'll, you'll see this all throughout First John. John uses very contrasting language all throughout. You may have already noticed it. He speaks in very contrasting terms. Darkness, light. There, there's no shadow. He talks about death, life, that's it. There's no half-life. There, there's no, he just talks love and hate. He speaks in these very stark terms. He talks in such non-gray areas because we love to hide in the gray areas. He talks in such contrasting terms because sin loves to hide in the shadows. 
We love to dance around in the blurred lines of Christianity. And am, am, am I really sinning? Am I, am I, how close is too close? How? And John wants to awaken us out of that and to a sincere and pure devotion to Christ that we would not hate a fellow brother or sister. Now, now the word hate that John is using, it doesn't just mean that kind of hate that, that we think of. It also kind of carries what I've been alluding to from the beginning and just a second ago, just dislike. Ha- viewing somebody with little regard, being disinclined toward them, they, they've fallen out of favor. They're, you detest them, you dislike them, you see them as lesser than. Are we getting somewhere now? Is John pressing on, on something now? Anyone who says they're a Christian but detest another brother or sister? Anyone who says, anyone who says they're in the light but has little regard for another Christian? Anyone who says they're in the light but another Christian has fallen out of favor with them? I think we're, I think we're getting somewhere. This verse is like a hatred detector. And it's, it's going off in some of our hearts. And, and, and this, this can happen. This can happen when Christians start to hate each other. Just like any sin can happen. But eventually, it's the one who is in the light, a, a true follower of Jesus, finds it uninhabitable. It's too dark and wants out and wants to confess, wants to repent and wants to love again. So, Let's press right into it. What are some occasions, temptations, when Christians begin to hate each other with the lowercase h? The lowercase h, the despising, the little regarding, the disliking, the disinterest in, the almost that when they weep, I rejoice, and that when they rejoice, I weep. What are some of the, what are some of the occasions when hate happens? I thought of three Three different scenarios when this happens. I'm sure there are many more. Uh, I thought of three. The first one, sins. A sin occurs. And this is obvious. One Christian sins against another, either in word or in deed or in commission or in a sin of omission. And then it's not dealt with. It's not confronted. It's not rebuked. Reconciliation is not seeked, is not sought out. And then, the relationship erodes and then hatred and bitterness begins to build up. This is when a chapter and verse of the scriptures has been violated and then we appeal to one another on God's word and then we get reconciled in Christ. This this occasion, sin, this involves two people and they have to talk and they've got to talk about forgiveness and, and reconciliation and real repentance. But these next two categories these sometimes just involve one person and it could just be all on you. One person who is feeling and acting this way to another Christian. And the first one is assumptions. Assumptions sometimes can be an occasion for us to begin to hate one another and to despise one another and discredit one another. Assumption. Believing something when you have no idea. It's really acting like you're God and you know exactly what's going on. They didn't return your text. You assume they are rude. They don't like you. They were never really your friend. They're always inconsiderate and you begin to dislike them. 
They post something on social media. You assume it's a dig at you. Of course it is. Because you're so vain, you probably think this post is about you. You assign motives to someone's heart that only God knows. When the scriptures say the heart is deceitful, who can understand it? You say, I do. I got it. I got a read on the human heart. Assumptions are a huge, a huge occasion for when hate happens. This next one, this is the big kahuna. This is the big one. Disagreements. Disagreements. Is there anything going on in the world right now that Christians could drift toward detesting one another if they aren't careful? Is there any global situation where maybe Christians could get at odds? I, I can't think of anything. Of course there is. And we're gonna talk, I'm gonna talk about that more in a second. But before we get into that, I think within, these could all nest out into other things. In disagreements, um, theology. Christians can begin to despise and detest one another over non-essential issues. Bottom, third, fourth tier kind of doctrines. Um, it could be something else. It could be something like uh, Calvinism and then Christians splitting over that, hating each other. It could be gifts of the spirit. It could be end times. It could be um, how to do elders and deacons, a baptism, you name it. You know the next one. Politics. You've got people who think Fox News is the truth. It should be on par with the scriptures. And then you've got people who think Fox News is fake news. Then you've got from, from theology and politics, then culture. Opinions on the world, opinions on economy, and opinions on whether this pandemic was planned or not. And conspiracies and more and, and more. There is no doubt that right now and what we're living in, many Christians find themselves more angry, more agitated, and more put off by other Christians during this than ever before. And hear me, if that's you, repentance is in order. If that's you, repentance is in order. If a Christian friend on your social media posts an article about the latest COVID-19 death toll, don't hear that as they don't care about the millions of people who have lost their jobs. And then flip it. If, if, if a Christian friend posts about the economic toll that we're facing, don't hear them saying they don't care about life and death. Don't assume and don't, don't make a home in the disagreements. John would tell us today whether you disagree about all that's happening, wherever you fall on the economy, where you fall on the social distancing, where you fall on all of these things, John would tell us, watch out, that you don't respond with hate and with anger and bitterness towards one another because you disagree. Because you are in the light, not in the darkness. And listen, and I know, I, I'm, no, I'm no stranger to this. I know some of you may even hate me. You may even detest me or roll your eyes at me because I wrote a few paragraphs about one reason why some Christians um, might be responding the way they are to conspiracy theories. So listen, you can disagree with me. I, I am totally okay with that. 
it doesn't bother me. I don't hate you or think little of you if you think there's a conspiracy. And you know why? Because we are united in Christ. Because we are in the light together with him. This is what matters most. This is what is eternal. As as, uh, one brother in church history, the venerable Bede said, the person who loves his brother This is a great quote. The person who loves his brother puts up with everything for the sake of unity. Of course, it's not talking about sin and all that, but puts up with everything, disagreements for the sake of unity. Such an attitude keeps us from hurting anyone unduly. This is is the posture of a Christian, of someone who's in the light, who's Who's the love of Christ is now true in them. What was true in Christ is now true in you. So for example, hear me. I have friends, dear friends, other pastor friends that I despise an aspect of their theology. I could not despise it any more than I currently do. I have other pastor friends that I detest the way they have organized some of the things in their church and things they've required of church members. I hate it with the passion of a thousand blazing white hot suns. But I love them. It has not affected our relationship. I eat with them, I joke with them, and I would stick up for them if anyone tried to slander them. I have another friend, a godly brother in Christ, that he legitimately thinks the earth is flat. I could not disagree with him anymore, but I love him. And you know what's most important? You know why I still love him? You know why we could laugh about it and joke about it and have a spirited conversation about it, but walk away loving one another because he still believes that Jesus is the exalted Lord of the universe and the only way to evade the wrath of God to come. And if you believe that, we're on the same team. If you believe that, we are still unified. If you think that, I'm with you. Even if you don't like the Rockets and you're a Golden State Warriors fan, I will still put up with that because we're united in Christ. Christians can disagree, but we have to do it without dividing because our thoughts aren't ultimate, God's are. Because we are not supreme, Christ is. But if if love doesn't win in your heart, Remember what John said in verse eight? This must be what? This must be what's true in him and true in you. It's gotta be true also in you. So if love doesn't win out in your heart, brother or sister, this new command to love one another as Christ has loved you, if you don't do verse eight and you choose to roll your eyes, you choose to disregard another Christian because they don't agree with you, you choose to reject them, you are not only rejecting them, you are also rejecting the love of Christ. You are not only rejecting them, but you are rejecting Christ himself, his cross and his power at work in you. 
to roll our eyes and be fake to one another is to be fake to Christ and his gospel. To hate another Christian is to hate, to hate who Jesus loves. It's darkness. It's darkness. But we are in the light with Jesus. He is our crucified and risen Lord that we're walking with together in the light. And so now if it's true in him, so that means now he's our model for how to treat one another. He's our motivation for why we wouldn't let disagreements, why we wouldn't let assumptions erode relationships. He's our, the means, he's the power by which we will continue to love one another that could override anything that's happening in this world. The love of Christ can override everything that's happening in this world because he says, I have overcome the world. And he sits in the heavens as our Lord. So as pandemics, as economies, if potential conspiracies, if all of these things assail us, we still have some place to look together. Christ the Lord, who is in, who is in the light. So today, assess your heart. If you're sitting there all gruff with your hands folded, you know where you're at, I hope, and I hope the Holy Spirit will show you. If you're sitting there thinking about other people, think about your own heart. Assess your heart and your mind and where you are at with despising, rejecting, hating a follower of Christ. And if you refuse to do that, you refuse to repent. You refuse to love. It shows you aren't in the light. Because the one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Repent today if you must. And walk in the light, walk with Christ as he is in the light and love your brother, our sister. Let's pray together. King Jesus, would you help us? Help us to truly um, love one another and to confess any sins that we need to now. Sins of despising, sins of... um, of looking down on another Christian as as seeing ourselves as better than others, as puffed up, as belittling others, whatever it may be, Lord, where we have disregarded someone else because of a disagreement, because of an assumption, because of a disappointment, that's not according to your word. That's our opinion. Lord, that we would put you first again. You know, we would walk in your light, not our embarrassing little lights that we're, that we're trying to invite people into, but into your light, King Jesus. So help us now to be dear friends towards one another, to be beloved brothers and sisters walking in the light of Christ. Jesus, thank you for loving us and for showing us how to love one another. So help me, Lord, Help every member of Redeemer Church 
Help us all to love one another as you have loved us. And by this love, the world will know that we are your disciples. That's the knowledge that we want to spread in Tomball and North Houston and Cyprus and that we belong to Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.